Welcome to the Just Culture Podcast. I'm Mary Jane. On this show, we are dedicated to creating a safe and just healthcare system. It's no secret to the public that the healthcare system is in a crisis. Nurses and doctors are being asked to take care of sicker patients than we've ever had before with less resources and hospitals are operating under a critical staffing shortage. Some hospitals don't even have the staff to stay open, let alone be profitable and care for their communities. This needs to stop. On this show, we are going to have the difficult conversations, take a look at where we're at, and also come up with solutions on how to fix this. Where do we go from here? How do we take care of our caregivers? How do we give our patients the best care? Those are the questions that we are interested in answering here each and every week. Welcome back. This week, we are going to talk about medical malpractice claims and what role they play in creating a safe and just healthcare system. Now, as a nurse, I know what it's like to show up every day and hold someone's hand while they receive terrifying medical news. I've been with patients as they've taken their last breaths and I've snuggled newborn babies that are just hours old and sat in those moments. I always look at this as a gift to be able to be there for people in their worst moments as well as their best ones. And it's, it's a real blessing for me to be a part of patients' lives in whatever role, in whatever way that I can. And I know that every nurse, doctor, therapist, CNA, everybody who takes care of people in the healthcare system, the majority of us feel the exact same way. There are very few exceptions, um, but for the most part, we've all shown up to care for and serve and love our patients. But despite Despite our best intentions, there's one thing that none of us can escape from, and that's our humanity. There are times when mistakes are made and medical errors can happen. Uh, We've already discussed um, the Swiss cheese model. If you go back to episode 13, you'll really understand what I mean here. I dive deep into this concept, but really quickly, the Swiss cheese model, it says that When an error occurs and reaches the patients, say we're talking medications, a patient receives an incorrect medication and it causes harm. Well, there's a lot of steps that have taken place for that medication prior to reaching the patient. So there's the uh, doctor placing the order, there's the order getting put in the system, there's the nurse reviewing the order, there's the nurse retrieving the medication and all of the steps that are involved with that. And then there's the administration step. And if there is a hole, the Swiss cheese model calls it a hole, but what we're really talking about is if there's a weak link in the system, then that is what promotes the error from happening. It could be that the doctor placed, you know, maybe it's insulin. And when they type in that type of insulin, there's 14 different insulins that pop up. And the doctor just happened to click on the one right above the dosage that he wanted instead of the actual one that he wanted. So now the nurse is going to give the medication that's ordered because that's what we do. But that's the correct 
that's the incorrect dose. That's a whole, that's a weakness in the, in the system. Um, and, and there's, there's lots of different ways that this looks, what this looks like, but basically it's this premise that medical errors don't happen in a vacuum. It's not usually one person doing one thing wrong. There's a lot of steps that haven't, um, that really have to have to happen. Um, a great example of this is the Redondavot case in Tennessee, where pretty much every safety and uh, mitigation tool that the hospital had was not available to this nurse. And in the hustle and bustle of things and stepping in to help people and a series of unfortunate events led to a devastating, devastating medical error. Um, and so all of this to say errors happen. Sometimes errors happen. It's, it's a genuine mistake, right? Sometimes things happen and somebody was negligent, right? Like the nurse, we're taught in nursing school when we give medications, we're taught something called the five rights of medications. Maybe I could do an episode on, on medication safety, but a quick overview is the five rights of medication are, um, you know, make sure you have the right drug, the right dosage, the right route. You don't want to be giving anything oral that should be IV vice versa. Um, you know, and on and on and on. And it is a system designed for nurses to safely administer medications regardless of the technology. And because these rights of medication have been around since before electronic health records have been around, I've been working in healthcare long before electronic health records have been around. So a nurse should be able to give medications, but there are certain steps that since we've developed technology and since we realize that nurses are taking care of more patients, those patients are sicker, they're more demanding, there's there's a lot more. They have to go faster and take care of, uh, they're responsible for a lot more. Um, and nursing has changed over the years. And in doing that, to help us with that humanity aspect, right? You just kind of go on autopilot, do the same things that you do every day. And sometimes our brains just, they filter. It's what your brain does. It filters out things that you're supposed to, that you would normally see that are different because it's the same, you know, you're taking the same vial, you're drawing up the same medication, you're doing it. Your brain will put that on autopilot and not show you, and, and might not show you the steps. When you have a computer system that will alert you that you're giving an incorrect medication or you're about to give an incorrect dosage, you can be like, oh my gosh, what? That's happened to me. I have been uh, working in the hospital and we have a system where we go in, it's called a Pixis, and we pull medications from the Pixis. And it'll be like a, you know, a pill and then you'll select the, ta the, the pill that you're gonna take. It'll tell you how many tablets to pull and you pull it. And then you take all your medications once you've pulled them from them, pull them and prepare them. You bring them to the bedside and you go ahead and you scan them into the system right before you give to the patient. You scan the patient and you scan the system, which helps make sure you have the correct patient. And as you're scanning the medications, the computer will double check them to the orders to double check the nurse's natural responses. And as you're scanning these medications, if you missed a pill or if you accidentally pulled the 100 milligram tablets 
but you really needed the 50 milligram tablets, the computer is going to alert you that that is an incorrect dose and it's not going to allow you to proceed. And then you go ahead and you correct the error. So I would go back to the system and I would see if the 50 milligram pill is available. If it's not, I'll cut that 100 milligram tablet in half if I can, and I will administer that, tell the computer, and I can move on. I've saved my patient my patient from an overdose. And these steps are in place to help and augment what we're what we're doing. There are um, some other errors that I have found. I've gone to pull a bag of normal saline to mix up a medication. And in the normal saline bucket is a uh, sterile water bucket. Or um, somebody threw something in there that has a dose of potassium in it, which could be lethal for someone. That was an error in the system, right? And so if I wasn't looking at the, the fluid and I mixed my medication with the potassium, I would be overdosing someone with potassium, which could technically kill them. So always, always being vigilant, but always know that things happen. So you can get used to pulling the saline from that one thing and in a hurry. And while you're rushing around, you're just going through all the motions. But if I didn't have the habit of looking at everything before I go because of those five rights of medications, I would have given potassium because you didn't have to scan the vial. Or, or the bag at the time. They changed it to eventually you had to scan the bag of fluid when you're giving a medication, but at that time you didn't. Um, and so that was a potential error that could have happened. Um, I caught it promptly and saved the patient, but I tell you all of this just to illustrate how easy it can be to make a mistake, even if you're being as diligent as you can be, and even if you're going through all of the steps. So, what happens after a patient is harmed? Um, directly after any medication error is discovered, the very first thing that happens is you have to assess the patient. You have to report it to the doctor. You have to um, make sure that everybody's on board and the corrective action is taken immediately. The sooner this stuff happens, the better the outcome and the better chance the patient has. Uh, let's We'll do like a benign example. So let's insulin. So we give insulin to patients all the time. We give insulin. There's a, there's different doses of insulin. One of the most common ways that we give insulin is, um, at mealtime or at correction times. Uh, it depends on what's going on with the patients. The, the frequency is different, but we'll say this is a morning, a breakfast dose of insulin. We have to give insulin to correct for the carbohydrates that the patient is taking. And we have to give insulin for, um, their elevated blood um, sugar reading at the time. So the nurse goes in, the nurse calculates in her head what dosage of insulin she needs to give. She gives the insulin and the patient eats a meal. Everybody's happy. The nurse moves on with her day. When she comes back to check on the patient, the patient is unconscious. What in the world happened? She assesses her patient. What's happening? What's happening? What's going on? And they, uh, they, you know, they call a code, they come in, they check the blood sugar. That's one of the big things that you do when you find someone unconscious and you can't find the reason you always check the blood sugar and they find that the patient's blood sugar is critically low, dangerously low. And, um, all the actions are taken right away. They're, you know, giving the patient uh, sugar via IV and the patient comes around and everything's okay. The nurse realizes in that moment when she's going back in her charting 
that she gave double the dose of insulin than she should have. And so she reports that to her, her manager, because that's really important. She thought she was doing everything right, but thought she was being super careful, but still made an error. So she reported it to her manager. Now this prompt, everything that happened, the prompt intervention um, is definitely key. So if they couldn't figure out in the code why this patient was unconscious, or even maybe the patient wasn't unconscious and they were just like really confused all of a sudden, it would be really important for the nurse to go back and be like, oh, an hour, like half hour ago, I just gave them insulin. Let me look at the dosage, realize the dosage was too high. And then in that moment before the patient before the blood sugar got any lower and it got any more dangerous for the patient, if that nurse promptly spoke up and said, I gave too much insulin, they could promptly get the um, the glucose and give that IV and turn things around before the patient ever lost consciousness. And that would be ideal. And that's the best thing to do. That's why promptly monitoring and reporting these events is super, super critical in the moment. But what happens later is just as, if not more critical than taking care of that one patient in that one moment. So by this nurse being honest and saying, even after the fact, she didn't have to say anything. Everything went okay. There were no long-term complications. The patient, their blood sugar came back around. Nobody, nobody had to know that she made an error. She admitted to the error because she knew that this is a hole in the system that can be fixed. And what I mean by that is, so there, every hospital or facility has or should have a risk management or quality department. This department, their role is to investigate any incidences that happen. So say this medication error with the insulin. Now, if the risk management or quality department is doing their job, they're reviewing it to see if an error occurred because one, they want to know if they have liability. So do they have a chance to get sued? What can we do here? And then also they want, they should be looking further into it. They should be looking into, wow, how did this happen? How did this reach the patient? What were the steps that were taken? What's the policy that's taken? Was policy followed? If it wasn't followed, why wasn't it followed? If policy was followed, is there any way we can make this better? Do we have tools? Do we have the option to create tools that can make this a safer system? And they would also look back and see, look back at their prior um, medication errors from the past and say, oh gosh, this has happened a lot. Uh, nurses have given too much insulin on so many occasions in the past year, like X amount, high amount. And then based off of this nurse being open and honest and them taking the investigation, the risk management department now realizes that they have an issue, that there is a hole in the Swiss cheese or a weakness in their system, in their policy that is allowing this to happen. So now the work begins, the real important work begins you can, they can sit there and scrutinize their policy and all of the steps that a nurse would take from even the doctor placing the order. How do we make that safest to make sure that the orders are correct and safe all the way to how do we alert the nurse at the bedside that they might be giving an incorrect dose? Um, a great fix for this is the hospital that I used to work at. We used to do 
this insulin calorie carb counting um, by inner heads. And uh, the hospital then changed because we have a medication, um, an electronic medication administration record. So as I said before, we were scanning patients. And so when we scan a medication, so I would scan the insulin and then on the computer screen, the insulin order that the physician placed will will populate and it'll be on my screen. So I can look at the order and see exactly what's ordered at that moment. And then I would drop the insulin according to the order. Now, when you have, it's called a sliding scale. So if you have you know, more carbs, you're going to give more insulin. If the blood sugar is higher, you're going to give more insulin. And the other way is true. If the blood sugar is lower, you're going to give less. If they're not having any carbs, um, if they're an excellent diabetic, they're not going to have any carbs. And you're going to be like, whoop, don't need insulin for that. So it's called a sliding scale. And to calculate the sliding scale, you have all the details in the order to do it in your head, which I would always do just out of um, habit. But also to move past that screen in the system, I would then have to type in how many calories um, of carbs were in the meal or how many units of carbs were in the meal. And then I would type in their blood sugar and the computer would give me my expected insulin dosage based off of the order. So now I've got it in my head on what I think I should give. And I've also got a computer verifying that my math is correct. And if either one of those are off, I need to figure out who's wrong before I administer the insulin, right? They should both match up. And once I verify that they both match up, I'll drop the medication and give it. It's perfect. But if you don't have that system, then maybe a hospital could say, gosh, we shouldn't, we should have our IT department develop something like that because we're scanning and they're pulling up the medication. But what if they had that calculator in there and it could prevent errors? So let's say that they did that. And then six months to a year later, they go back and re and look at their medication errors. And they realize that they've decreased the amount of errors of insulin dosage by X amount, maybe 70%, 80%, whatever percent, any percentage is patients that have not been harmed, right? Even if it's 1%, maybe it's just one patient that they saved. It's one patient that they saved, right? So um, this is really great for patient safety. And it's also great for a hospital who doesn't need to um, have a have a lawsuit, right? So what we're talking about today. So it's, it's great prevention. Um, you know, my hesitation here is that we have to talk about what happens if the hospital doesn't conduct a proper investigation? So what I see in a lot of cases is that the hospital will investigate the incident with their risk management or quality department, and they stop at liability. So can we be sued? Yes or no. What do we do to minimize the chances that we're going to be sued? And they stop. And they stop. They miss the most important part, the critical part, the part that I live and breathe. And it's the prevention. I don't think anybody should be going to court and being sued. I think errors should be prevented. That is it. That's the heart of it. And if a hospital isn't taking that step to go forward beyond liability, they are doing every single patient that walks through their door a huge disservice. And get this, the patients don't even know. So conducting a proper prompt 
and thorough investigation, including ways that we can change policy and the way we do things really, really um, is critical. And it should be mandatory. It really should. I mean, if you go back to the Redondavot case, um, I did cover it. I don't have which episode it was um, at the top of my head right now. I'll link it in the show notes if you're interested to listen. But in that case, the hospital only investigated, or I don't know. Um, I don't know what their investigation was, but it seemed that the hospital stopped at liability. So they fired the nurse or no, I don't think they fired her right away. Um, but they did eventually fire the nurse and say, see, that nurse was bad. And, um, we are, um, we're good now. No one's going to make that error ever again. We're good. Fired the nurse. It was her fault. But, um, only in the course of the lawsuit, did it come out that their whole entire process and system was full of holes. Their computer system, when they were pulling medications from their Pixis, wasn't working. So when they were pulling up a patient, uh, normally what happens is you have your Pixis, you pull up the patient, you click on the patient's name, and then all of their orders are listed. And you're pulling your medications. You can even sort it by time. So you can say, my 9 a.m. medications, and they'll all pull up on the screen. And you just kind of click through and you can pull them. Some of them will be in a patient bin, but you have to tell the system you're going to pull from a bin or they'll be in the patient's bin in a refrigerator and you have to tell the system you're pulling from a refrigerator. And all of it is easily tracked. However, if that system isn't working, then what you have to do is an override, which means you know, you see in your in your orders that your patient has insulin ordered, but it's not listed as their medication. So you have to then go into the system and just type in insulin and pull that medication out. That is, um, it's a waste of the system, right? Because we can do things if more efficiently, um, with less time, spend less time and energy thinking through, typing in, pulling up medications. It just helps workflow wise. And it also really helps safety wise to make sure you're pulling the correct medication. And what happened with Redonda is that she pulled, she typed in the first few letters of the medication she wanted to give only something else populated on the screen because the Pixis just will pull up all the medications available inside of it. And it was a paralytic instead of an anti-anxiety medication. And um, unfortunately, that is what she ended up pulling from the, from the medication drawer and giving. But nobody, the hospital didn't talk about the fact that they had a broken Pixis system and they weren't fixing it. And I know that they weren't fixing it because nurses were speaking out and nurses were speaking out in the lawsuit saying that they had to pull medications in this override fashion for quite some time because it was a broken system and the hospital was aware of it and um, they didn't do anything about it. So um, that that's huge, right? So we can't just blame the nurse because yes, the nurse did not follow the five rights of medication, which she should have. So that is her fault, but the hospital is at fault too, because they had a very important duty to have their stuff in working order, which could have caught Redonda Vought's humanity because that night she was training someone and on call. So if one of her coworkers in that ICU needed help, she was the one to step in. These weren't her patients she was directly responsible for. She was just filling in holes here and there and, and helping people out. 
And that is open to a lot of different, um, a lot of, I mean, even just training someone, your, your attention's automatically split between giving medication and explaining what you're doing. Um, and there, there's, you know, there's a lot of issues with that. There's issues with, she was giving medications in a different part of the hospital that didn't have the correct setup. She didn't have a computer at hand. She didn't have the scanner at hand to scan the medication to verify one last time right before giving it to the bedside to catch her. There's so many holes in the Swiss cheese and I go through it in that episode. And that just goes to show you why these investigations are so important. Why don't hospitals do these investigations? I said one of them already is that they'll blame the healthcare worker. That was just a bad nurse. She didn't know what she was doing. She's incompetent and we fired her and we're good. We're going to move forward. We're going to go with this. Um, another reason is uh, the cost of settling with a family or a patient that was harmed is less than fixing the issue. Doesn't that just blow your mind? Like I can just give this patient a few hundred thousand dollars versus spend a few hundred more on fixing the issue to save hundreds of patients that come after this one. Um, that family of the, the woman did settle with the hospital, but I wonder if anybody really dug into all of the actual steps and all of the ways that the hospital was also liable if um, the outcome would have been different in court. Um, but I do feel like if it was different and the hospital was liable and they had to pay more, it would have been a lot, it would have stung, right? So the way that you sting a hospital is really high um, fees or um, court settlements, um, judgments in court. So money, money is one way you sting them. And another thing is reputation. So this hospital, unfortunately, nurses were speaking out and this case was a real outrage because not only did the nurse get her license revoked from the board of nursing, which I agree, I agree with, it was a, it was a never event. So, um, that is, that is grounds for losing your license. And I do think all of the proper steps were taken to, to a point, but charging that nurse with a crime, um, was, was too much. And I talk about that in the episode, um, but once that criminal investigation was brought, nurses all over the country were outraged because that Swiss cheese model so much could have been prevented and that nurse could have been saved from making that error if the hospital had fixed the stuff that needed to be fixed. And if the hospital had done their job, they could have helped save that patient. So the nurse was very much liable, and I, I, I agree to that. But also, the hospital was just as liable, right? And if the hospital doesn't fix the holes in the Swiss cheese, guess what? There's going to be another redondavat. There's going to be another patient that's hurt, and that's going to continue on and on and on and on and on until the hospital fixes the holes in the Swiss cheese. And that's unfortunately they won't do it until they have to. In some cases, in this hot in this particular hospital. Um, that's, that's kind of, that's where they were at. Um, there are many other reasons. Some of them make absolutely no sense. Um, some of them just, um, I mean, are just baseless. Like they, I don't, I don't really know, but for whatever reason or another, not all hospitals will own up and fix mistakes. Um, which is why we have the medical malpractice law 
because we have to hold them accountable. We have to make it sting. Otherwise, there's no incentive to change. Um, do hospitals ever tell family members a medical error occurs? And the answer to that question is, it depends. Um, I know I spend a lot of time with lawyers, but um, that really does depend. So let's say the surgeon cuts off the wrong leg and the patient wakes up and they look down and they're like, why is my good leg gone and my bad leg is still here? And then the doctor has to come in and tell the patient, I'm really sorry, I cut off the wrong leg. We're going back into surgery tomorrow to cut off the correct leg. Now you're going to have no legs. And that really changes the patient's quality of life and um, is another never event, should never happen. But it's also something really hard to not own up to, right? Because the patient's going to wake up and say, why do I not have a leg? I was supposed to have one leg. You're only supposed to cut off one and you cut off two. What's going on? Um, that's a very obvious mistake. And of course they would tell. But sometimes, sometimes the errors just aren't obvious. So maybe it's a medication error. They'll come in and say, you know, you received this antibiotic and it caused a reaction and we're going to treat you this way. Um, straight to the facts, that's actually what um, us as healthcare professionals are told. We are told to present facts only to families were taught to chart facts only in charting. We're not supposed to say this error occurred. You know, this medication was given in error. This treatment was given in error. You have to be the one to, um, the patient has to be the one to realize that it was an error and then take action from there. The hospital will never tell them that it was an error. And, um, they will probably retaliate if the staff actually did own up and say that. And that's for good reason. Um, because they're more likely to get sued if they say, yeah, we made a we were negligent and we made an error. And then the person will be like, I'm definitely suing. They'll let them figure that out on their own. Um, this kind of happened when uh, my grandmother fell in a hospital and she broke her leg and she had to have surgery to fix it. And she almost died in that surgery. She pulled through, regained function, regained walking and regained everything. We didn't claim a lawsuit, but I had to dig really, really hard to find out exactly how she fell. Um, and I did find out what the cause of the fall was and I did get the hospital to, um, you know, to talk to me about it, but they were really shady. Uh, when I first called to find out, you know, they said your grandmother fell and this, and I'm like, how did she fall? They're like, she fell walking in the hallway. And I'm like, okay, she's wheelchair bound at baseline. So exactly how and why was she walking in the hallway? Um, and I had to really dig and ask the questions, but the thing is I knew what questions to ask and I knew how to get them. Um, not everybody does. Right. And so I, if I didn't have the background that I have, I would have just been like, oh, she was in the hallway. Weird. But OK. Um, and I'm you know, I, I might never ask ask another question beyond that. So um, the answer to the question is it depends if it's obvious, they'll tell you that an error occurred because they have to. But otherwise, no. You know, I've alluded to this. Medical malpractice claims on both sides, plaintiff and defense, are critical in creating a safe and just healthcare system. 
And it's mostly that just portion of it that they really step in. So like I said, with the hospital with Redondava and all these hospitals that won't investigate and correct and mitigate errors and weaknesses in their policy and look for innovative new ways to keep their patients safe and prevent errors from happening, maybe that keep happening or could happen again in the future, um, we have to make it sting sometimes to get them to take that next step and to get them to do the right thing. And like I said, that's with money or um, it can be with reputation. um, And a lawsuit, unfortunately, conquers both of those goals. Um, Hospitals sometimes will settle even for claims that are not really warranted because they worry so much about the reputation portion of things. Um, which unfortunately is something that um, it's a weakness in the system. Um, But that's where defense lawyers come in. And that's why the defense side is so important. So the lawyers representing hospitals and healthcare facilities, it's their job to fight against claims that aren't, um, that don't have merit and to make sure that the system stays honest. Um, It's also the plaintiff attorney to make sure that the system is honest. Um, Plaintiff attorneys cannot, which plaintiff attorney means the person representing the injured patient, but they cannot even bring a claim to the court in most states unless they've had an expert review it and say, yes, this was an error. The error did cause the the injury. Um, And, you know, and look at things that only that professional working, like maybe a nurse who gives that same medication is looking to see if there was a preventable mistake. Like, was there negligence? Because if sometimes mistakes happen, there are mistakes that happen, right? So sometimes a patient is going to the bathroom and you've done all of your steps and every single fall risk mitigation tool is in place and they've done everything they can and somebody still falls. Um, that happens. It happens all the time. It's happened to me. Um, you need someone to say like, yes, there was a fall. Yes, there was harm, but there was no negligence. So definitely getting an expert that is there for the facts right before any claim is brought. So make sure that you do know that there is a merit, there is merit to the claim and making sure you're only bringing cases that have merit and keeping cases out of the system that do not have merit because that muckies the safe and just healthcare system. If you're suing for claim for mistakes that don't fit into medical malpractice. Somebody can be harmed by a drug, harmed by a surgery, but there's no mistake that was made. There's there's no negligence. They, they've done everything right. And maybe it's just a normal side effect of the medication and you're barking up the wrong tree. Somebody needs to make sure that they're discerning, um, using discernment in, in that aspect. The plaintiff attorneys are there to make sure that hospitals who hospitals and providers and everybody who were negligent are held accountable because that promotes them to take the next step to prevent it because they don't want to be sued over and over and over again. They're going to do what they need to do to prevent that from ever happening again. Defense attorneys are there to make sure that everybody's honest and everybody's best interest is met, i.e. the hospital. and really fight for the hospital if the claims aren't based on merit, right? If if no negligence happened, if there's a baseless claim, it's that the defense attorney to to bring that to. And the court themselves actually really do support safe and just healthcare system because 
these investigations. So you might say, okay, so if a hospital investigates a medication error and knows that they have liability, then aren't they admitting liability in court? The thing is no, because the court won't allow the details of that internal investigation, or maybe even that one was done into the lawsuit. Um, and that's to protect the hospital and that's to protect this investigative process. And that is because the court recognizes that it is so important for hospitals and facilities to be reviewing and thoroughly investigating these claims and getting to the bottom of what happened and what steps were missed and where the holes in the Swiss cheese are so that they can be corrected so that this never happens again because they're putting patient safety over the legal system, right? If sure, a plaintiff attorney, if they got a hold of that behind the scenes investigation, their whole entire case would just fall into place most likely. And they could, they could get the settlement of their dreams, but it's super important to protect that information because it needs to be safe for facilities to do that work. If they don't do that work, then the same error is just going to keep happening and happening and happening. And patients are going to get injured over and over and over again. Some of them will sue. Some of them will never even know what happened. Some of them will know what happened and choose not to sue. But isn't it best just to prevent it? Isn't it best? I say this all the time. I don't like to work on medical negligence claims. I hate it. If you bring a claim to me, just know that I'm going to be looking, I'm going to be doing an investigation just like this. What happened? How, what were the steps that led up to it? Where were the holes in the Swiss cheese? Because we're not going to just say that one doctor, one nurse, one therapist did something wrong. We're going to look at the whole entire system because I'll bet you we can find 10 places where people, different people went wrong. And the main reason I don't like to work on these claims is because I feel like if we're at the lawsuit stage, we miss the mark. Prevention is where we should be focusing our energy. Prevention keeps lawsuits from happening. We could put this whole entire field of malpractice, medical malpractice law out of business if we focused all of our attention on prevention. If an error occurs, let's promptly investigate it and let's take the steps. If we know that our computer system is down and our nurses can't be you know, they're losing a, a key safety feature. Yeah, the nurses are supposed to do X, Y, Z, but we also know that they have a lot of pressure and a lot of work and, and their attention is split in a million different ways. If we know something's broken that can help rein them in and alert them to errors, it's our job as the hospital facility to fix that promptly, as soon as we know it's broken, not wait because it could cost X amount of dollars and we don't want to spend it because we're going to spend more in a lawsuit and a family is going to spend more when they lose their patient, when they lose their loved one. So medical malpractice claims and this area of law is key in creating a safe and just healthcare system. But if we get to here, we've missed the mark. Prevention of any harm is number one, and that's the key takeaway I want to leave you with today. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. Leave me a review. I love to read them. And if you have any healthcare leaders that you're um, associated with or following, send stuff like this to them. I really want people to hear this stuff, and it really tug on your heartstrings to be doing these investigations, to be putting patient safety first. 
that's how we're going to get forward. And that, my friends, is how we're going to create a safe and just healthcare system. Hey there. This is the part of the podcast where I get to make my lawyer smile. And I get to tell you that the purpose of this podcast is for educational purposes only. I am not a lawyer and therefore not your lawyer or giving you any kind of legal advice as well as I am a nurse, but I am not your nurse. And so I am not giving you any medical advice either. Take this information as educational and consult your doctor or your legal counsel as you see fit.